Hey everyone, welcome in to the 51st episode of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We got the same guys back again this week. Uh, we're going to be breaking down reports from around the realm, all the training camp, hoopla, what's going on with the league, as well as a rebuilder special. We're going to be taking a look at some players that are a little bit undervalued in our community, some that might be fairly valued in our community, and that we would love to see on your rebuilding teams moving into this upcoming season. We don't want to keep those rebuilds too long, so we're going to try to help you with some big boom bust guys and some ROI plays on your rebuilding teams. And for the 51st episode, we wanted to thank our presenting sponsor, Underdog Fantasy, for helping us out and supporting the podcast. That being said, let's get into it. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your dynasty league for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go, episode number 51 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We're coming at you live on a Wednesday, August 3rd. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Pod, Spotify, Podcast, however, welcome, welcome in. We have the usual suspects back for another week. Jace holding it down in the desert out in AZ. Max and super producer up in the land. That's Cleveland for you. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Peter, I'm excited to see your face. You know, before the episode, you tilted me a little bit because uh, you just, you're never reasonable with me, Peter. If it's anyone else, I think you'd actually give it thought, but I think you see my name pop across your phone and you say, oh, who is this clown? And just I could offer you Kyle Pitts for Robert Woods, and you'd say no, Peter. It's crazy. You know what? Bobby Woods has some opportunity this year. You know what am I going to sit now? Jace, what's going on? Oh, nothing much, man. Just hanging on, man. It's been a hell of a ride today with the baseball trade deadline. Got to see Juan Soto get moved. Probably one of yep. the bigger uh, baseball trades we'll see and. It'll definitely be one that we talk about for a long time in the baseball world. So it's been a crazy day, and I'm excited to talk football and kind of change it up. Yeah, really quick, two seconds. Any prospect uh, hunters out there that uh, that like looking at young talent in MLB? C.J. Abrams is obviously great, but the pitcher, I can't remember his – I think his name's Gore. I've yeah, watched McKenzie. him pitch a couple of times. That guy's nasty. So he is nasty. keep an eye out. Absolutely. Uh, Nick C., super producer, what's going on? Dude, I'm excited. Just hyped to be here another week, one week countdown until the one year anniversary for you guys. Uh, I still got a little bit more to go, but definitely just hyped to talk some fantasy football. Got a lot of good news coming in. We got a good episode, so I'm just hyped to be here as always. Yeah, it's it's big week for the fantasy football community and just the football community in particular. Camps, you know, kind of starting to hit its stride a little bit, but particularly in the fantasy football community, particularly our fantasy football community. Uh, I wanted to mention, shout out to Mason, Big Mace, John from Dayton, JFD, on completing the Waffle House Challenge. Came in last place in our league last year. And you know what? You got to, you really got to earn last place in a 14-man league. You got to be worse than 13 guys. So he had to pay the price, and he did the uh, 24 hours in Waffle House. I just wanted to uh, congratulate him. And uh, if you guys had any, had any words for him before we start the pod. 
I mean, he, the day before he was so stressed and so anxious, but also like, oh man, I'm gonna be out of there in five hours. I'm gonna scarf down three waffles an hour and just so confident at the same time. And, you know, it was just so fun to follow along and see the messages. I think you guys probably got a good laugh out of them too. But I could tell you when he came home that night, that man did not want to leave his bed. He did not want to move. He did not want to eat food or even mention food. He actually told me he ate a whole cucumber to get the taste of waffles out of his mouth. So, oh, not a not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight, but yeah, Mason, good job, man. If you're listening, that was I applaud you. I was sitting at my desk at work and I kept looking up at the clock, going, man, I can't wait to clock out today. I'm so sick of work. And then I thought damn mason's still in waffle house right now so yeah, he was, worked uh... <laughs> five. Yeah. so uh yeah it's nice to know he's keeping him in business yeah i feel like uh overall we were pretty brutal in the chat to him so i kind of feel bad <laughs> about that because i mean it was no mercy i mean he he came with a couple uh proposals for us everyone just immediately shot him down um you know i would i do feel a bit bad but at the same time man Last place is last place. It and, is. you know, it's a tough spot to be in, but, you know, somebody's got to be there. So Mason was the one that brought up the Waffle House punishment in the very beginning. I think we were decided on the fact that last place buys first place a jersey and then he swooped in with the Waffle House. So that, oh, the irony right there, my friend, that is, you know, that's the way it works. You are the trade right there. Again, shout out, shout out, Mason. Great job. Did a great job today, but something I did want to mention uh, right before we start the podcast, it, I'm going to link it back to fantasy football here. I don't know if you saw Warner Brothers basically finished a Batgirl movie. It's like completely done, uh, post-production, whatever. And for some reason, they did not like it hmm. and will not release it. And it is Ooh. never going to see the light of day. And it is done. Like the shooting is completely done. It just came out today. Um, so I was wondering in fantasy football, who's that one prospect, you know, that had that like mystique that just never popped off and, oh, and was question. never allowed to pop off in fantasy. That's this is our like little warm up for the for the day. Who's that one player in your mind where you were like, this is going to be great. We're going to invest like $100 million into this movie like Warner Brothers did and just got absolutely don't <laughs> I, I guess I'll go first. I mean, the first name that pops to my head, even though I really don't want to say this player, like I feel like I should say the first name that just comes to my head. It's TJ Hawkinson. I, Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. He has an eighth overall pick seventh overall. Pick. I mean, the tight end position is so hard and takes a long time to get going, obviously, but I just can't get on board with them. And for the draft capital, they invested in him. I get he's only 24, 25, but Need to see it this year for Mr. Hawk. For me, oh, you're canceling him. You're oh, pulling man. the movie. He is. He is. We'll see what happens. I feel like he'll end up on your squad here in a couple of weeks through a trade or two. But nonetheless, I think for me, it's a guy uh, I loved watching in college. Lynn Bowden from Kentucky got drafted by the Miami Dolphins. He had a little stretch. Let me let me see if I can find it real quick. He had a little stretch his rookie season where he looked like. Uh, like the skinnier version. He looked like Lamar as a wide receiver, just dancing around everyone, making all kinds of plays. And uh, let's see, weeks 14 through 17 in 2020, he got to play 71% of the snaps in week 14, nine targets, seven catches, 82 yards. The next week, 
seven targets, six catches, 37 yards. Not great, but if you watch the film, my boy's dancing, doing everything he can. Then week 17 against Buffalo. At Buffalo, 12 targets, eight catches, 44 yards. Not efficient, but in your spare time, watch this man play. He's just a dynamite stick, and he's probably never going to see the NFL field again, and that makes me sad. That is pretty sad. I remember last year I was super, super in on Trey Sermon, but not as much as Michael Carter. Uh, and the Jets bias didn't let me pick Trey Sermon over Michael Carter. Thank the Lord. And, you know, who knows, in three years, maybe both picks are going to be terrible when you when you really look back on them. Now that Brees Hall's there in New York. But Trey Sermon is the ultimate guy where he looked so good. You know, the third round pick investment and then just gets destroyed out of some guy from Louisiana Tech. Was it was that where uh, um, Elijah Mitchell's from? It's like Louisiana State or not LSU. It's like. Louisiana Technical University of like Baton Rouge County or something like that. <laughs> Louisiana Tech of Washington or something. But that's going to get us started with the episode, guys. We have a great show for you today. Like I mentioned earlier before the drop, we have our reports from around the realm coming back. So camp edition of reports, uh, which is pretty stacked today. And then we have a rebuilder special. Last week we did contenders. This week we're going to be doing rebuilders. Some players that we feel like you absolutely should go out and send offers for these guys are undervalued in our community and are huge, huge upside plays uh, for your rebuilding squad moving into this season. And remember, we don't want rebuilds to be too long. That's why we're going to try to go out and get some of these guys. Before we do that, I did want to mention we're here to thank Underdog Fantasy for another week of sponsoring the podcast. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest and best way to play fantasy football this upcoming season. Underdog Fantasy lets you draft a season-long best ball team in just seconds. I drafted one today, actually, believe it or not. I entered the $5 puppy tournament. It's my second entry into the puppy. So the biggest thing about best ball, which is Underdog's platform, is that it is stress-free fantasy football. Your draft is the key. Once you make the draft, there's no waivers, there's no trades, there's no cutting players. Your mathematical best lineup is automatically set so there's no start-sit decisions. I'm going to ping-pong. I'm going to pass the ball to Jace. Give me a start-sit decision. We know you talked about one uh, in the championship last year, but give me a different start-sit decision that kind of ruined you. Well, I don't have one right off the top of my head for football, but I have one in fantasy baseball that I, I still, to this day, it haunts me. I was up about... 150 points in this league which is a that's a large deficit for someone to make up on a Sunday which is when this took place and I had nasty Nestor Cortez slotted in my starting lineup uh, pretty early into his nice stretch of just ridiculous baseball and he was going up against the Chicago White Sox who crush lefties Um, so I thought maybe some regression was inbound for Nestor Cortez decided to throw him on the bench because all I needed was uh, for someone to just not blow up and get me negative points on the day. So uh, bench Nestor Cortez, I left Carlos Rodon in my starting lineup, who is a certified Good stud. For the Giants. Certified stud, uh, especially at that point, who was going against the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, not a great matchup. Figured he, he just won't burn me. He won't get me negative points. Well, Nestor Cortez goes for 68 points on my bench. Carlos Rodon goes for a minus, a negative 35 points. The guy I'm playing comes roaring back 250 plus points that Sunday. 
I put up a grand total of eight and I lost, dropped out of first place, went all the way down to fifth because it's a tight league. And uh, I still wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that roster decision. And if you want to prevent post-traumatic stress disorder due to start-sit decisions, you can use <laughs> underdog right. fantasy and play best ball. Again, you can use our code. We have a code monarchy, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, in case you forgot how to spell monarchy. And that will give you a free deposit match up to $100 in bonus cash, free deposit match. $100 in bonus cash if you use our code MONARCHY, stress-free fantasy. Now, let's get into reports. All right, first one off the top. I'm sorry if I'm echoing. I uh, forgot my big mic. I'm back home in New Jersey today. Instead of having the big blue Yeti, I'm on the uh, AirPod wave right now. But the first big news... Long time coming for this one. We have some Cleveland homers here, so take that into account uh, for this as well. But Deshaun Watson, six-game suspension. We're not here to talk about the length or right or wrong. We're here to talk about fantasy football. I think we've stressed our opinions uh, on Mr. Watson's activities enough here. So we're going to just jump right into the football aspect of it. So he's suspended for six games. What's the outlook for Amari Cooper? I know he kind of tweaked something in camp today. David and Joku and David Bell. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the schedule, I think it really comes down to that. Obviously, they play the Jets, who I don't know, they've obviously improved, but they're still the Jets. They play the Falcons. They play, they play the Panthers. I mean, they have an easier schedule to start. And I think it could be very beneficial for Amari. I don't really trust Jacoby Brissett, and the backups after that are absolute dog water. But six games, really, in the grand scheme of things, is not that much. Um, if Amari is like, we're looking at him in the long term, especially with Watson in the future, um, like six games is one of the better case scenarios. I think David Bell, I think he's going to be one of those guys we talk about later where you want to target him because he's going to develop later on. He's not going to make an immediate impact, but I think if anyone that's benefits Chubb the most, just because they're going to have to hand the ball off, they should be winning most of these games so they can be running the ball down the throats at the end of the game. I really don't have much to add on that analysis. The one thing I will say is I would be cautious going out to buy these Browns pieces because the NFL still can appeal at this point. So the final suspension might not be set in stone. It could end up being more could. I mean, I don't see it being less at this point, but anything can happen <laughs> still. So uh, just be wary, make sure, you know, you're not, if you're going to buy Amari Cooper right now, you're not sending any 23 first or anything or anything like that. Let's, let's see what happens first. And then, uh, then let's start making real decisions. But uh, for Browns fantasy players, I mean, right now it's looking like their season saved. Um, it, the fact that it was going to be Jacoby for an entire season at one point, or is that that's what it looked like? That was uh, some dark days for the Browns uh, receiving corps. Yeah, in particular, I have Amari Cooper in one league, and he's my wide receiver two in that league, uh, which obviously I, I need to reevaluate some things and, and move some pieces around. I can't have him strutting out as a competitor as the wide receiver too. And he's more of a flex play for the start of the year coming up uh, with Jacoby Brissett throwing him the rock. But when you really think about the grand scheme of things with Deshaun Watson, I feel like his value is all the way restored. Anybody that held him, uh, cough, cough, super producer, is definitely happy that they did. Uh, Cooper's outlook, 
beyond this year is going to be interesting for me. Uh, I think if you're like a long-term young competitor, he's definitely not a piece that I would want on my roster. I'd be looking to move off of him for some younger uh, pop guys like Kadarius Tony, uh, et cetera, like young pop guys like that. Uh, I, I just really don't think that Amari's going to have the longevity that he needs to sustain a competitor moving forward. Uh, and there's just too many question marks with his age and his lack of elite level production over the past couple of seasons. But moving forward beyond that, Njoku, David Bell, all these other options, I think after four games and we see how Brissett is kind of moving, I'd be willing to pay more of a premium at a later date for them than to buy in on them now. I agree. I think there's a good waiting period to be had at this point, and especially Njoku and David Bell. Uh, especially David Bell, actually. Um, he's already banged up. He's on the pup right now. So, uh, And there's all kinds of reports coming out about Donovan Peoples-Jones and Deshaun developing chemistry. Let all that stuff pass. Let the DPJ hype uh, get out of hand and then go buy some David Bell in the middle of the year for a late second. Max, give me the week. What week do I go and buy David Bell? I mean... Go take a, take a look at the schedule. Tell me, give me the narrative. Give me the week that I buy David Bell. I, I think I could see him doing well versus the Jets week two at home. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I think he really is one of those longer term guys. He kind of reminds me of like a Terrence Marshall from last season, you know, those guys that everyone was like a little high on coming out of camp and doesn't make an immediate impact, could make a play down the road, but I, I wouldn't get him. I think it's hard because Watson comes back week six, his value is going to go up when Watson comes back because everyone's value is going to go back up. Um, so you really can't buy him after that. And before it's like, he's not going to do much. So if you're going to buy David Bell, I'd probably buy him before Deshaun comes back. All right, let's move forward. We've talked enough about the Brownies. Uh, let's take a look and, and Max, I'm going to let you uh, enjoy this one here. Take us away. Sure, Peter. I, I also I think you should. I mean, I think you love this guy more than me, honestly, these days with how much you talk about <laughs> how much you hate him. Love to hate. Love to hate. Love to hate. But all right, I'll I'll, I'll kick us off. DK, three years, $72 million extension, $58.2 million guaranteed. Uh, we'll get into we'll get into the significance there because another person got $58.1 million. Uh, I'm surprised the other person didn't get 51.3 just because they're petty. But I'm fine with it. I mean, this puts DK at 27 when he gets his new deal in three years. That's still a prime age for a wide receiver, man. I mean, you're looking at yeah. guys like Terry just signed a three-year deal, and he's 26. So you're looking at DK is very young, and that's like honestly the prime of his career in three years from 27, 28, 29. So who knows what could happen, what the quarterback play will be in three years, but He's staying on my team. He's locked and loaded. I think he's going to have a great year being the guy in Seattle for the next three years. Who knows, though? They're cuckoo kachoo over there. They could trade him and just get him out. Like, who knows? They're, they're really – they're <laughs> an odd person. They are cuckoo kachoo. Peter, they're Beatles reference. I don't uh, even know. Max, that. I didn't think you had that in your bag of tricks. <laughs> I don't – I not even know as a Beatles reference, Peter. Hmm. Cuckoo Kachoo, I'm the Eggman. I'm the Walrus. Cuckoo Kachoo. <laughs> but go buy DK now. I think he's one of those perfect guys for a rebuilder just because his value is going to be so low after playing with Drew Locke, Geno Smith, whoever the heck he's going to play with. 
Yes, he's going to have some weeks where he pops because he's just that kind of athlete. But he's that kind of guy where you could get him at an insane value, hold on for him for a few years, excuse me. And then who knows, like Tom Brady could still be playing. He'll go play with Tom and be insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, too, maybe a theory that I have here, too, is if it's going to be Geno or Drew Locke, maybe we see DK kind of shorten up that route tree become less of that 50 50 ball guy that Peter you don't like that profile at all and I don't think that many people like it in general but you know I think maybe we kind of see him be forced to mold into a truer wide receiver one that can run a complete route tree and it's not just go routes and bombs and um, catch a screen and try to take it to the house maybe we see him do some stuff in the middle of the field and uh, I don't know maybe long term that helps him develop into that freak of nature by the time he's 27 like you said Max um maybe we see a nice little top five season again in a few years but love him as a rebuilder not so much as a competitor right now Nixie I want you to cut this I don't want anybody to hear this I think I'm in on DK oh. after Max's argument <laughs> he heard you it. need to cut that don't let anybody hear that <laughs> he heard it now the, the people heard it 100 percent uh I, I'm in on I'm in on DK and and let me preface this i'm still not in on his relative price right now i'm still not in on the athlete that he is today but at some point in this season i can see this is how i know i can personally see myself going out getting dk to discount let's say he you know tweaks his ankle and has drew lock for the next three or four years quote unquote we always we obviously know they're gonna draft a quarterback there uh if they get the opportunity but if I'm able to buy low on this DK dip and then see a prime DK just go wherever he wants in three years. And by the time like you make the trade, it's basically two and a half seasons. That would be superb, incredible long-term dynasty hold. Um, and, and again, like I'm not in on his current value. I'm not in on his current ability but to get three years more of of knowledge in the league moving forward at this young age still I I didn't even realize he was going to be 27 when he popped out of that deal that's Max you're you're turning my head a little bit you might need to send me a a deal for DK no no I can't send you a deal for DK he doesn't fit your window Peter I want to see you win a championship so that's all I want to see. The biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. All I want is that gold medal right next to your name. I mean, I know I might be on this screen for a long time waiting to see that happen, Peter, but it's all I want to see, man. And I don't think DK is that guy for you. He did win me a championship, putting up three touchdowns. You're going to be like the 110 year old Cubbies fan that saw both World Series. No, because you're not going to win two, Peter. You're only going to win one, and it's going to be like in 70 uh, years. Oh, Max, you'll be senile in a, in a rocker, but I'll I'll hang that medal right in your face. <laughs> and I'll still be sending out multiple trades a day and spending 40 <laughs> minutes on that stupid app. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe uh, when you're on your deathbed, I'll calculate the amount of hours that you spent on the sleeper bot. And you could have like a life moment and be like, wow, I spent five years of my life making <laughs> fantasy football trades. All right. Enough digression on the Digression Monarchy podcast. Let's move forward uh, to somebody else that I really don't like. 
geez, I don't think I really like this draft class in particular. <laughs> Him, Terry, Debo, Debo Samuel signs a three-year extension, $58.1 million guaranteed with the San Francisco 49ers. I know he has some contract implications, uh, some like clauses where it's like if he runs for a certain amount of yardage, he gets extra money. The extra incentives for Mr. Samuel uh, are rushing and touchdown dependent based on the contract. It's upwards of $2 million over the three years. So knowing that Debo is going to be there for a young quarterback in Trey Lance, does this affect Trey's value? Does it affect George Kittle's value moving forward for you in a dynasty window? Let's not say a competitor window. Let's say like a little bit of an extended winner or rebuilder window. I, don't know, I was just reading his bio and sleeper says he's going to be a surefire top 10 wide receiver. I just don't see that no honestly. Chance. with Trey Lance at the helm. I mean, obviously the Brandon IU hype has been crazy in camp. Uh, Nixie, I think you bought the good dip there on IU, but who knows with that offense, with what Kyle Shanahan's going to do, who the running back is going to be, how many times Lance is going to run the ball, how many times who's going to get the ball. Really? It's, it's really a crap shoot there. Um, if he doesn't run the ball, I really think he's just kind of just like another wide receiver in that offense. I don't think he adds anything that special, to be completely honest with you. I think last year when he was getting eight to nine rushing attempts a game, that's what made him who he was in a top three dynasty asset or like wide receiver at the time. But I'm out on Debo, especially for his price. Unless you're buying him at two for two seconds, I'm out, man. You wouldn't even pay, let's say, 110 in the 23 class. No, I, I would pay 110 in the 23 class. His price is like literally two first and a wide receiver, honestly. What would you pay? What's your breaking point on Debo? If, if you're like a, a, a Debo skeptic, skepticist, skeptic, whatever, uh, you're, like, you're like me. What's your breaking point on Debo Samuel if you're really not super into him? Because I know a lot of people in the community aren't. I mean, my breaking point's going to be lower than others. Are you talking draft picks? 108. Yeah, uh, obviously draft picks, just so we can kind of give a range for people. So 2023 picks. 108? Mm. 107? I I think this is is important. I think it kind of depends on what you need. If you're like a – if you're running back away, this 23 running back class – uh, it's supposed to be insane. It's supposed to be deep. So I don't know. I'd be hesitant if I'm looking for a running back in next year's class, but if I need a wide receiver, I'd be comfortable getting up to about 107, 108 for him. Um, if it were back end first, say 109 to 112, I, I would tally on a 24 second as well. If I had to go get him, I just think, I don't see him as like a true lockdown wide receiver one. I mean, he's going to get that rushing work. We're going to see what that actually looks like if it's three to four carries and then, that in turn also prevents him from seeing eight to 10 targets per game. And he's more like four to seven Then I think he's going to make an impact. He is a beast. I think he helps that offense overall. I think they're going to be a good offense. Uh, they got players everywhere. Trey Lance, it's all kind of dependent on him and if he's going to be able to move the ball, but I think he's going to score a lot of points. And I do think Debo is going to win weeks. I just don't think the consistency is going to be there week to week. So if you can grab him on your team for a, you know, late 23 first and 24 second, which no one will accept right now. If you could, I'd be willing to pay that to get him as my wide receiver two to pair with someone else. Cause he's, he is going to pop. 
No, I I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think Jay said it beautifully. No one's paying that price for him. Like no one's going to give up Debo for that price. But if you could, I think 107, 108 is my, uh, my breaking point there. All right, let's move forward from Debo. I'm sure we're going to be talking about him a good amount more uh, in the coming weeks. Let's move into our fourth and final topic uh, for reports. Some sad news out of training camp for the unlimited man. Russell Wilson is going to be without the third wide receiver on the team, Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick has torn his ACL, sadly. KJ Hamler tore his ACL last year. So let's hope it's not a ghost running around there uh, up in mile high. But Tim Patrick, again, torn ACL this upcoming season, is out for the whole year. With this being said, we know KJ Hamler is going to be the wide receiver three, Jerry Judy the two, Cortland Sutton the one, or, you know, interchange one and two there, depending on uh, what day of the week it is and uh, what you had for breakfast. But how do we feel about this Broncos offense moving into the following season without, I'd say, the most consistent wide receiver in the offense? Yeah, I don't, I'd say that's pretty fair, honestly. He, it's crazy to say that Tim Patrick's the most consistent wide receiver, but he's been pretty consistent, I guess, if you want to use that word again. But to me, I kind of want to rally off the topic and then come back towards at the end. But just at this time, like especially we talked about it a while back, but if you're a rebuilder and like Tim Patrick was the first major injury, yes. But if, God forbid, another like big player goes down tomorrow or something and like a competitor has, I don't know, Billy Bob Joe, and he tears his ACL. Like, don't be afraid to go trade for Billy Bob Joe, or we'll just say Jalen Waddle. Don't be afraid to go trade for Jalen Waddle if he tears his you're, ACL. You're a scum. You are. Yeah, a I didn't scum. want to. I couldn't think of anyone. You I really, I couldn't think of anyone. Peter, I couldn't think of anyone. But I was gonna say a lot of players' names. I do. <laughs> and, anywho, say them if, all. Because you, you, I'm not gonna go trade for a guy like Mike Evans if he tears his ACL because I don't think he could come back from it. But a guy like Jalen Waddle, who's 23 and can come back from it, does nothing to you sitting on your bench. Yes, you could hold him and wait till next year and just kind of fizzle out your window. Or you can go and you can get value for him. Obviously not the top tier value that you're going to get. But don't be afraid. Like, I cannot – I shouldn't say I can't wait. I'm very – I'm eagerly excited for these injuries. You're eager, you're eager for an opportunity to find a weakness in the market and capitalize on it. A hundred percent, Peter. <laughs> and other than that, I think for the Broncos, Jerry Judy, Sutton, Danger Russ, Javanta, I think this helps out everyone there. Danger Russ. <laughs> but I, I like uh, I like Albert O a little bit more just today than I did yesterday. Yeah, I got two things here. For me, I think this really, really helps Jerry Judy. Um, last year he was really off the field quite a bit, like more than you would expect for a recent first round pick uh, with as much talent as he has and as much talent as he's shown us. Uh, so week eight, he came back from his injury. I'm going to read his snap percentages uh, to finish out the season. Starting in week eight, 72%, 60%, 76, 76%, 63%, 60%, 69%. Nice. 74%. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Week 17, he missed. And then he played 67% of the snaps in week 18. So more often than not, he's playing two thirds of the game. That's all he's seeing. He's not seeing the full complement of snaps. Uh, The highest during that stretch was 78%. So 
under 80% for pretty much actually every game last season that he appeared in. So I think losing Tim Patrick is going to keep him on the field closer to a, you know, 95 to 100% rate. Uh, maybe not that high, but at least in the 90s. So I, I'm really interested in Jerry Judy now. I just acquired him. This is not my recency bias. Uh, I, I listened to a guy, his name's Jacob Gibbs. I've talked to him on, on talked about him on this podcast a couple of times. Uh, he's a writer for Sportsline at J.A. Gibbs on Twitter, I believe. The dude loves Jerry Judy and anyone he loves. I really love. I started looking into things uh, with Jerry Judy and he is just, I think we're so used to the second year boom and we didn't get it from Jerry Judy. Now everyone's out. He's still in his third season coming up. So the upgraded quarterback, I think he's going to smash this year. Not that I don't think Cortland Sutton is. I think they're going to smash side by side, but we, we flexed a little bit of underdog little bit of a sponsorship and if you're in underdog fantasy uh drafts right now go get you some kj hamler the dude is young he's been off the field a bunch but he has got a ton of speed ton 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 of speed russ loves to air out that deep ball kj hamler is going to have some giant big blow up weeks it might only be four catches but i can guarantee you he'll hit over 200 yards one of these games uh super producer this is why we call him the super producer he runs these numbers really quick he's almost like superman but yeah. uh, he just told us that KJ Hammer is a wide receiver 85 off the boards in underdog as of today. So that I can name crazy. probably about I can name probably about 35 receivers who should go ahead. So easily, easily. Great best ball option. And that's gonna be our reports from around the realm. Now moving into our rebuilder special. We're going to take a player we like from each position, each one of us, so three players in total, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, three running backs, three wide receivers, three tight ends. We're going to give a rebuilding outlook, rebuilding kind of eye, and say these are some of the guys that we are really keen on that aren't insanely expensive. Like some of them are a little bit more expensive than others, but you're not paying that elite, 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 elite level prospects for moving into this next season. So let's start with running back. Uh, we're going to do a snake draft like we always do. Max, let's have you lead off. All right, Pete, I'll start us off. My running back for a rebuilder that I don't think is too – I honestly, I couldn't pay people to take this guy off my team there for a while, um, but it's Travis Etienne. I'm like a – Jace has really just turned my mind to thinking running backs are worthless – and that if you're not competing, that you don't need them. So to me, it's like if I have a running back, I'm just trying to ship him away. But Travis Etienne, obviously, we can't get too caught up in the hype, but he's looked, quote, unquote, like a superstar at camp. And I feel like a lot of people have just forgotten about him. Last year, he was going as like the fourth running back in like the, in the rookie draft or the fourth overall pick behind, obviously, like Chase and Jeff or Chase and Pitts and Najee and he was a first round draft capital last year. He gets to play with his best friend, Trevor Lawrence. And we always, we also forget urban Meyer has gone. They got Doug Peterson down there. It's going to be a whole new offense. He's a very athletic running back that can catch the ball, which I think a lot of people also forget. The only thing that worries me is obviously him coming back from his injury, but that's kind of why his value is at a dip right now. So if you could go out and you can get him for, I mean, I don't know, a late first or, couple seconds i don't know if anyone's selling him for that but i would eat that up because i think he could be a league winner for sure so yeah i'm not necessarily the biggest etn guy i if you're in full point i'm pretty bought in on him but especially 
uh, at cost max you brought up. I, it's, it's tough to get him uh, off your squad right now at the moment. I do think there are people that are very much in your camp. They're holding on to him. Just like he's the next best thing uh, that revolves more around full PPR. For me, I'm going to go with Najee Harris and Najee Harris was God's gift to earth uh, last season. Uh, he was, you know, like you said, a top three pick in rookie drafts, if not the number one, and he had a great rookie season. And I think everyone's really, really worried about the Pittsburgh Steelers this upcoming season. That offensive line stinks. They lost Big Ben, who wasn't great, but a very cerebral player, very smart veteran player, uh, most likely a Hall of Famer. Uh, you lose that, you're going to take a step back for sure. And then, um, I don't know, there's just a lot of unknowns over there. But for me, Najee's going to get the work. I know there's been reports here and there about him not getting the work. Maybe he doesn't catch as many passes because Ben's gone. To me, volume is king in fantasy football. And if you can find a guy that can withstand volume, can take the hits, a big guy like Najee, I'm all bought in from a rebuilder perspective. If you're rebuilding, you're not worried about this upcoming season. So it doesn't matter that that O-line's bad. If your window's a couple years down the road, you got some time for them to hit some picks, make some trades, do whatever. Uh, rebuild that line, maybe figure things out. Maybe Kenny Pickett can step, uh, step it up and become a real professional quarterback. I just think if your window's out a couple years, I think Najee's a great piece. Uh, injury's the only thing that's really going to get in his way. Yeah, so over the next three to four seasons, I think Najee is going to continue to be a focal point of that offense in the receiving game and the run game. I think he's a big hoss and he's built to withstand the hits. I think they're going to be smart with him this year. I think that's why you've heard reports about him uh, maybe limiting his touches. Sure, that's great. If you're a rebuilder, that's great. You're not going for it this year. I think he's going to be a league winner. Uh, in a couple years, he's shown us everything we could possibly want out of a rookie running back at his size and with his draft capital. Really quick, I need Professor Max in the trade deals. Najee is a piece that people don't necessarily want to move. What would be your angle for going out? And while he isn't as expensive as he probably once was, what's your angle for going and getting Najee? as a as a rebuilder what would be your angle in approaching a trade for a big asset like that i mean what i was gonna say is i wouldn't be going and trying to get Najee as a rebuilder um i know it sounds absolutely crazy but the price you have to pay one is just too high for me and two he is 24 years old i mean javonta williams he's only 22 years old Najee's 24 i don't know if i if i said that wrong or whatever but, I mean, Jace, you're talking about in a couple of years. A couple of years, probably 26, 27. I mean, we know that age for running backs. Yes, we have the Derrick Henrys. We have the outliers. And there's a lot of running backs right now. It is actually crazy that are, like, 26 years old, from Dalvin Cook to Joe Mixon to Chubb. Kamara's 27. Henry's 28. Uh, McCaffrey's 26. So you have a lot of these guys that are about to fall off, I would like to think. And Najee, yes, he does have a couple of years. He was a rookie last year. Um but he was late, late coming out of college there. So my, to answer your question, Peter, I wouldn't be trying to get Najee. I would be trying to go get a guy like Javonta, who I think is relatively cheaper. And when Melvin Gordon, who's 29 years old, leaves the backfield next year, will be valued as probably the second ranked running back. Well, let's um, say, let's say I'm a big owner and I, you're my GM and I want the shiny toy Najee Harris. And you, as the GM, had to go out and go get him. For all those people out there, let's say maybe they're Pittsburgh Yinzers that are in love with Najee. 
or, you know, X, Y, Z, there, there's some people out there that just really want to get Najee on their team. What's your angle? What's the approach for talking to an owner? Obviously it's case by case basis, but what would be your overarching strategy to go get them? I think I would tell him exactly what Max is telling me right now, to be honest, because he's not painting a pretty picture. And also I wanted to point out, I just looked at fantasy pros dynasty rankings. Uh, it's just a compiled list of rankings from all kinds of sources. Najee is RB two on this list and that I am not paying that price. I do want to get out front and clarify that. I didn't know he was being ranked that high. I don't even have him ranked that high. I figured he would be somewhere in like the eight to 10 range after he was probably the number one dynasty asset last season when everything, when all the hype was happening. Um, I just think, I think he's built to handle it. So I, I think I would paint the picture that it's going to be ugly and the Steelers are going to be ugly in 2022. And uh, I mean, the dude last season, 1200 yards on the dot on 307 attempts, 74 catches on and 467 yards to go along with that. The guy is very multifaceted. I think pass catchers can kind of live out their careers a little bit longer. Maybe he gets the guy to, you know, spell him on certain carries. Maybe they don't just run him into the ground because they know their year is not now. I, I think they're going to take good care of him. And I think even if the quarterbacks in the future aren't checking it down as much, I think he's still going to catch about 50 balls a season at least. And over the next few years, I, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think that Steelers organization always finds a way to kind of keep guys healthy and uh, be competitive at all times. So I, at current cost, I'm not buying though. If Javonta Williams, if you could flip your Najee Harris for Javonta Williams, I would hundred percent do that. But if you find someone that values him closer to 12 uh, or 10 in dynasty running back rankings, I'm buying that up all day. It's like, Peter, you asked me that question. I've been sitting here trying to think of like a trade that I could compile to get Najee. And he's honestly one of the, like the more unique assets where it's like, you have to be in the perfect, like this year or next year window for me to even go out and try. And even then it's like, all right, let's say a competitor has Najee. They're not going to sell him. Let's say a rebuilder has Najee. You really have to paint that picture of, Hey, look, listen, He's 24. By the time your window happens, he'll be 26. How about I give you a guy like ETN who's a year younger and like a late set or an early second like that, that can get you some depth and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to really paint that picture for the person and really stress their stress his age. But he's the one of those unique assets that everything has to align for you to get. I agree. And also for the sake of the show, I picked a running back, but if I'm rebuilding, Max kind of mentioned it earlier, I don't want any running backs on my team. I just don't want to invest any capital into it. I want to cash out on that stock and save my assets. Um, a current rebuild that I have going on right now is I purely have wide receivers and draft picks on my team, essentially. And my plan is to use all those draft picks in the future. Once I've compiled a solid enough, a deep enough wide receiver core, to then go out and spend all my draft capital on running backs and get them while they're young and use them while they're in their prime. So if I'm rebuilding, I really, I really don't want Najee Harris. If someone offered me for, and put sent out a trade to me right now to put him on my current team, uh, even if it was relatively good value, I'm probably not taking it to be honest. I really just don't want running backs on my team. If I'm rebuilding, give me all the handcuffs. Uh, that's how, that's what I'll invest in to ship them off later in the season when it matters for someone else, but no starters in my lineup, but had to pick a, a guy for the sake of the pod. Do not worry everybody out there. We're in the middle of trying Jace for uh, tanking and the season hasn't even started already. And this is going to be a great clip for our commissioner. 
over oh, there. So. Me and Kevin are in complete, complete agreement. Don't you worry. We've already hashed I'm this just up. Messing. I'm messing. Uh, but let, let's move into uh, my pick particular here. Somebody that I think we talk about a good amount on the podcast. I feel like we might have talked about him just about every week for the last maybe month, just because he's such a screaming value. If you can find an owner that just has him and doesn't have his direct cuff, for me, it's A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, this is something that was kind of lost to me. I didn't realize this until I looked at the stats the other week, and I want to draw it draw to some people's attention. I'm going to read off his games from week 10 to week 18. So he played 49% of the snaps, 26 points, 75% of the snaps, 13 points, 50% of the snaps, 18 points, 7 points, 10 points, 7 points, 21, and then 7 points. So he was putting up really relevant numbers and finished as the RB 21 in standard RB 23 in PPR. Assume he finished 22 and a half point. I don't have that number directly in front of me, 22, 21 or 23 and a half point PPR. And that was with splitting the carries. We always talk about Javonta Williams, how great Javonta Williams was this past season, how incredible he was splitting snaps. Look at how great AJ Dillon was this past season, splitting snaps and not as many people are talking about him. What you need to do is if you're rebuilding right now and you can find A.J. Dillon out in the wild with no Aaron Jones holding his hand, no cuff like Aaron Jones out there for him, he is a screaming value for an owner that maybe is trying to compete this year, maybe is trying to stick in the middle, which is never a good idea. And even for a rebuilder, I feel like a lot of people don't value him as highly and you could go out there and make a good deal. Like, I would rather have him than Debo Samuel on my rebuilding team right now, like moving forward. So I could see myself giving the 109 in next year's draft for him straight up. And I feel like that is an overpay, but I feel like it's an overpay that I can live with in a couple of years. Chase, I can't remember the guy you always mentioned, but I think he's from one of the more famous podcasts. So I don't want to rip it off. I hope you come, uh, come and, and realize who this is. You said an overpay today. Oh, yeah. Isn't necessarily an overpay tomorrow, and that's what I see in Aaron uh, in AJ Dillon. Yep, Rich Dotson from the Dynasty Nerds. That's his big saying: an overpay today might not necessarily be an overpay down the road or in the future. Um, yeah, I'm a big AJ Dillon stan. Absolutely. The I do feel though, currently, just on the Twitter sphere and interacting with others in fantasy leagues, that people feel the exact same way about AJ Dillon as you do right now. So you might be paying a bit of a premium. I think a really good time to buy him in the future is maybe if Aaron Jones, I mean, if uh, Aaron Rodgers is debating on hanging the cleats up next season, I think if, you know, words get out, you know, I'm, I'm hitting that retirement, I'm hitting that retirement. He'll probably end up coming back, but he does love his drama. I think that, uh, people are holding a lot of stock in A.J. Dillon and, uh, based on the fact that Aaron Rodgers may or may not be there the upcoming season because people feel once he's gone, that team is just not going to be good. You lose Devontae Adams, you lose Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not going to be good. But Matt LaFleur is probably going to still be the head coach. He's still going to be calling plays over there. He loves throwing the ball to the running backs, especially when he doesn't have weapons on the outside in the slot. So I, I love A.J. Dillon. I think in the future might be there might be a – bit more of a dip, but um, I, I'm all in on A.J. Dillon in the future with or without Aaron Rodgers. I think that system 
is meant for running backs. Yeah. Uh, Peter, I mean, I kind of asked this question today in the group chat. I was just thinking about it. I was talking to one of my friends and Aaron Jones, <laughs> if he retired, uh, where would you guys draft H.A. Dillon? And I mean, his value and his upside is absolutely crazy. And Peter, I'm in that kind of weird spot where it's like, I don't have my own first. Like I could compete if I want to, but I don't really want to have running backs on my team, but he's the one guy I want to have on my team just because if Aaron Jones goes down or gets hit by a bus, like God forbid, um, he would literally <laughs> skyrocket in value. I think I'd have like eight <laughs> trades in my inbox by the time that news gets out. And Aaron Jones is 27 years old, five foot nine, and he's been very healthy the past three years. I know we can't predict injuries like that, but a running back that's three years younger, that's bigger, stronger, faster, and still gets some good work, sign me up all day. See, my thing, my thing, there's always a, a thing in sales. And Max, we know you're in a sales job. We, you've talked about it a lot, and selling is a lot like trading. There's always the, you know, clear and sale like you're never gonna be able to buy again you know xyz like we're going out of business and it's a great sales tactic to get people to come in and buy that's a possibility that this is the last chance you're going to have to buy aj Dillon at a relatively normal value am i correct or incorrect pro if aaron jones went down tomorrow and i get a notification that he tore his acl i would be wanting a haul for AJ Dillon, a haul. Whereas today you could offer me something pretty fair and I'd probably be like, all right, whatever. But if that happens and I knew what I was giving an AJ Dillon. Yes. I think that's very fair, Peter. That I, I think so too. And honestly, I do think there's probably potential for a buy low in the future, but you, that's a risk that you have to take just like it is. It's risky trusting a 27 year old five foot nine running back to stay healthy. I think right now you might be able to get a 24 first to go through. I think people are still kind of in uh, rookie draft pick mode. Like uh, I've been seeing 24 capital fly around uh, left and right. And I think people are realizing, you know, some of those classes that seem so far away, you know, in a little bit of time, they don't, you know, they're a lot closer. So I think people are a lot more. Yeah, exactly. I think people are a lot more willing to take on 24 draft capital and a 24 first. I don't care where it's projected to be things can change so quick and people can hit on the right draft picks and teams can just flip in an instant. So if I had any kind of 24 first, I'd ship that over for AJ Dillon right now. And I think uh, in a year's time, that'll look like an extreme underpay um, if he hits. And I think right now it might even look like an overpay to the right people um, that really love Aaron Jones and think he's there to stay for a while. I wouldn't accept 24 first for Dillon. Just, really? And I'm, I'm in a re I'd rather just take like, it's like, to me, it's kind of like crypto, you know, it's like, if it hits, it's going to hit, you're going to make a lot of money. And that's fair. Five and X where it's like, if it misses, okay, it misses. I invested not that much into him, you know? So if I, mean, I'm, I would take a 24 first. If I had Dylan, I, I would, if uh, well, you, hate, you hate running backs more than me, I hate I them, but you, hate them more. I, I would, if I, you know, depends on your build. Like I would sell him as a rebuilder for a 24 first, but I would also buy him for a 24 first. It's like really, you know, team context dependent, but I think that's a, that's my price it's, range right now. It's the true fair value according to JB. That's, that's what I'm feeling, but um, I don't know. Max is shaking his head. He doesn't like it, but we may, maybe I'm we'll crowdsource that one on Twitter and see what people are willing to pay or 
sell for. Yeah, that's my question. I mean, super producer, what would you pay for AJ Dillon or Peter or whatever? I don't think I would give up like first rounders for him. If I'm being frank, like, I feel like I would just rather hold on to the first rounders. Um, but that's only off the basis that Rogers could be gone. And then it's, yeah. and then Dylan is, I mean, he's a good running back, but if he's on a garbage team, I mean, how, how much value does he really have? Yeah. I see, you know, if Rogers leaves, I do kind of see like a David Montgomery esque kind of uh price for him like montgomery solid he's great when he's like when he pops he pops and he looks really good but he's on a terrible team he's been on a terrible team uh so he's just kind of mid you know uh worth a first but mid he's uh not a mid first he's, he's, he's just he's, he's very jaggy at times in value at least so i don't know i i think uh, we're gonna crowdsource that one and see what people are thinking because it feels like we're a bit all over the place right, between the four of us all right, that's enough on running back. We weren't, went a little over time, but I think it was a great discussion. I really do. So let's keep moving forward. Let's let's look at wide receiver here. Uh, so since we're going through the snake draft, I will begin. And call me crazy. I, I want somebody to call me crazy. Peter, I'll jump at the bit to call you crazy. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do, man. You're a crazy person. I think... I think personally, I've been very critical of this player in the past, and maybe this episode is me turning my heart uh, warm. This guy was probably f- a former number one overall fantasy asset in Dynasty, at least. In my opinion, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is great for a rebuilder. He is dirt like cheap, has the outside chance at, at the number one spot in Kansas City. I think you could honestly send a mid second for him and it would get accepted right now. Uh, no Tyree kills. Somebody has got to take the top off the defense. Again, I, I don't think that he is incredible, but he's worth the lottery ticket and he's still only 25. And let's say, you know, the most a rebuilder is going to rebuild for is probably two and a half years. I think most rebuilds are about a year, year and a half. By the time the year, year and a half comes up and you're ready to run it, Juju is 27 years old, and by that time, he's going to be a free agent next year and a free agent the year after that. He can be a sunk cost, and you can get rid of him after this year, and you know he's not going to be a perma long hold. He's either going to hit this year with the best quarterback, pure arm talent quarterback in the league, or he's go- you're going to know at the end of the season that your investment didn't pay off and you don't got to waste a roster spot on him. Peter, I love that. I really do think he used to be valued as a very high dynasty asset. It's crazy how many years he's been in the league and what he's been able to accomplish in Pittsburgh. But if he hits this year, man, like you said, he's probably worth like a second right now. I don't think he'll be the number one in Kansas City. I think that goes to Kelsey um, just based on their chemistry and everything like that. But there's Sky Moore. There's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like there's a lot of options on a lot of variables. But for his price, I think he is a very good – and I've heard he's been impressing in camp. But oh, yeah. I, I've also heard everyone has been. So I take that with a grain of salt, but I really like that, Peter. I think that's a smart pick. I I like it too. I've really, really, really been growing on Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Um, Max, you brought it up. It is crazy how long he's been in the league. And I just love the narrative, you know, Uh, just had to suffer through Big Ben and 
terrible quarterback play once Ben was out of his prime and people think he's Juju's dust because, uh, you know, now he doesn't get to play with Antonio Brown anymore. I don't know. I love Clown Antonio Brown. Clown Antonio Brown. Absolutely. Um, I just, That's gonna uh, be one of the worst tweets of all time. <laughs> I really like it. I think the contract year narrative is great. That's been really kind to people recently. Um, I like that. I like his age. I love that offense and at current value. Absolutely. If he pops, he's easily going to be worth a first, um, especially if he locks down a long-term deal with the Kansas city chiefs after this upcoming season. I, I think this is a great, great buy low in the dynasty community. Great pick. All right. Anybody else? No. Okay. Let's move forward back through the snake. Jace, you're back up. Let's hear your wide receiver pick. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take a guy that Peter, you just, you love so very much. And so do I, but I'll never get my hands on him. Pause. And it's unfortunate because I just, I'm enamored with the guy's talent, his speed. It's Elijah Moore. The, The report already came out. He's looking like the number one on that team. Take that with a grain of salt for sure. But I just he's so young he's so talented he led the the Jets in receiving last year in such a limited amount of games I just I'm bought in on Zach Wilson I'm bought in on the old Miss wide receiver narrative I just Elijah Moore to the moon and if I got to pay a 23 first to get him at this point I I'll probably send it over just to get it done man because if he hits you you're never going to be able to acquire him for a single first he's just too fast and it's going to demand too many targets out of the slot. So I'm in love with Elijah Moore. Yeah, it's uh, it sucks. We play in uh, we play in leagues with Peter because we'll never get him, and it's just kind of the fun thing, you know. If you send over a trade, it's like, oh man, maybe I'll get him today. No but shot. he always finds some. Yeah, no shot. But I think the common theme here. I'm just going to keep it short. All these players that we talked about, all the running backs, all these wide receivers that we've mentioned so far. The ROI on them is crazy. I mean, you could invest so little and get so much if you flip them at the right windows. And we talk about that all the time, about flipping players during the right times, this, this, that. I mean, the same with Elijah Moore. You could have got him when he got hurt last year. You can get him now even. It's tough to buy these players during camp, but I'm enamored with him too, Jason. Peter, if you ever want to trade him, you know, if he ever goes down or if he ever gets like something Mm -hmm. wrong with them, I'll give you some good value for him, Peter. I really will. You sound, you know what you sound like? You sound like the evil, like, villain in, like, you know, this stereotypical movie where it's like, oh, if you ever have to sell the farm that, you you know, has poops fairy dust, I'll be here. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I know that I sounded, like, stupid, but you sound like, like, I'm the hero here holding Elijah Moore, not getting tempted by the devil and Max, but. I don't know. Maybe one day I might have to, you know, some, sometimes some things are more important. Keeping the farm alive is Flags more important forever, than selling man. an animal. Flags that fly forever. Peter, Peter, like hypothetical here. I know we don't want to like put this on Elijah Moore, put this in your mind, but we're gonna, um, you know, if Elijah Moore, let's just say like gets hurt tomorrow, we won't even describe an injury. He's obviously worthless on your team and you're a competitor. Like, what would you do with him? Like, what if that scenario? I'm just trying to figure it out for like That's when. Why I got Jalen Waddle. Okay, sure. Well, I think, and again, I want people out there 
to hear this firsthand. This is a do as I say, not as I do. In particular, like you can't let your fandom get a hold of you uh, and make you make dumb decisions. And I have, I have been dumb, and I will continue to be dumb <laughs> with Elijah Moore. And I will just hold like that man um, could have some pretty bad things happen to him. And, you know, I would still, you know, like he could retire and be like 45 years old and I'd still probably have a bench spot for him be like, oh, but if he comes back, man, like he's going to be crazy if he comes back. So uh, the inner jet fan in me won't let me uh, do anything with Mr. Moore. Again, he's the true case where I would rather ride him to zero. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sure. So if you're like literally a competitor, you know, he gets hurt in like a week. 12, 13, you need a wide receiver. You're just going to be like, yeah, you know, I don't really want the championship this year. I'll ride him to zero and just. <laughs> I don't know, Max. Don't, don't put me in that position. Oh, Peter, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for those assets. Do your- not put me in that position. Max has the handlebar mustache right now and is just like <laughs> getting his greedy, grubby hands. He's rubbing them together. He doesn't even need mustache uh, grease. It's just straight off the palms and it's curling oh, up real yeah. nice. <laughs> Raleigh fingers trades, man. <laughs> All right, Jameson Williams is Max's pick right here. So, Max, give us a little insight on why you love JMO. What's there not to love about JMO? If this guy didn't tear his ACL, he would have been the number one wide receiver off the board. He would have been a higher draft pick than he already was. Detroit traded up an arm and a leg to go get him. They're not going to have a bad quarterback forever. They're going to go out and get young or Stroud or someone next year or the year after that. Like there's only so many bad quarterbacks to go around. So my thing is when he gets healthy, you don't really want him as a competitor. And yes, you're still gonna have to pay a premium for him just because of the draft capital that Detroit invested in him, the talent, the skill set. But if someone's starting out from their like teams, like really hot and they have him on their team and he's not doing much, I think that's an easy, Hey, listen, I don't know. Billy Bob Joe is falling out. Here's Billy Bob for JMO. What, what do you say? So just flip those windows. And I think just given the injury history, he's had a good dip right now. Yeah. I think Jameson Williams is an incredible, incredible talent. We're not going to keep talking about him. We've talked about him again, ad nauseum on this podcast, but again, he would have been the first wide receiver off the board a million percent. All right. Last but not least, let's run through tight ends really quick. Nothing too crazy on the tight end front. Obviously, you have your elite tier guys. You have your elite tier prospects. And there's not much for rebuilders. So let's just talk about a couple guys here. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll snake it around to me real quick here. I was thinking today, it's like I have Kyle Pitts on my team. And it's not my pick, by the way, because that would be like near damn impossible to go out and get him. But – it's super hard. Like, I don't really like where my team's at right now. And I'm like, why don't I like it? It's because I paid an arm and a leg to go get pits. Because if you have pits, like, you really have to invest, like, all the assets you have to go get this guy. And to build a team around pits, it's, it's tough, man. So I'm, uh, I'm very I'm facing that right now. But neither here nor there. Noah Fant is my tight end rebuilder. He's 24, just went to a new team in Seattle, like you said. Seattle, they're not going to be in quarterback hell forever. Dino Smith, whatever it is. I get they just said Russell Wilson. But I like his age. I like his contract negotiation because I think next year he's a free agent. So 
tight ends. It's, it's weird. We've seen Hooper. We've seen Hunter Henry. We've seen these tight ends go places and just suck. But you never know with his age and his skill set. I really like him, and I think in that Seattle offense this year, he could be a really big sleeper. Really, really, really like that pick. I think, too, Tyler Lockett getting really old. You know, Tyler Lockett's been held up by Russ in those broken plays for a long time, never been a huge target getter. So I do think Fant really does have an outside shot um, to be the number two target on that team in the future alongside DK. Noah Fant, we've been wanting him to break out for a long time. So I, I really like this pick. Mine's Trey McBride. And the one thing I want to say here, I'm not acquiring right now at cost. Um, in our most competitive league, he just went in the, I think he was a top three pick in the second round. I'd be fine paying that because I think he's going to be great, but I think people kind of want some more. But I think if you play the waiting game, I think Ertz is set to smash this upcoming season. I think Trey is going to have to do a little bit of waiting like tight ends have to do. And I just love the prospect. I love how the Cardinals use their tight ends in that offense. They've, you know, they revived Zach Ertz's career and they made Max Williams relevant. And I mean, they've just done a lot of good work with tight ends. And I think D hop is getting old for sure. They got Hollywood there. So I think in the future as a rebuilder, I'd love to have Trey McBride on my taxi squad, not even have to worry about, um, starting him or sitting him or anything like that. Just let him sit and age on that taxi squad. And maybe in two, three seasons, he's the number two target on that team. And we know what he can do with the ball in his hands, elite pass catching tight end. Um, I, I'm just really, really excited. And I got to give a shout out to Peter because I had no idea who Trey McBride was until he brought me along. Wouldn't have ever drafted him in the second round uh, where he's been drafted currently. And um, now I'm all in. I probably would have paid it back in first at one point. So uh, I'm all in on Trey McBride. Go get him. His value right now, I mean, definitely go out and get him, especially when Ertz continues to ball. And Ertz did just sign a three-year deal there with Arizona, but I don't think he's going to finish that deal out there. I absolutely love him. I love the skill set. Peter really did get us on board. So, Peter, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. With me <laughs> and him, I've, I've talked about him way, way, way too much. He's a great passing tight end, and he's worth the risk. Again, wait until Ertz gets in. Maybe there's like a little baby injury to McBride, you know, a little camp string, camp hamstring action. You can buy him on a little bit of a dip. And especially if he's on a competitor's roster and he's not taxied, oh, yeah. that's, that's the ultimate time. Go and go get him, no matter when that is. Yeah, I think, too, if you got like a decent handcuff or a back-end running back, like Naheem Hines is a guy I would – try to shop him for to the right guy people might buy the Naheem Himes uh camp hype maybe it's a full point PPR league I think you could you get pretty close to getting that job done so uh handcuffs for sure yeah but let, let's move forward let's talk about the last guy Jace kind of brought me on to this guy a little bit we're talking about Brevin Jordan here I've been keeping updated with yeah. DJ B enemy down at camp down in Houston so he was a former uh, New York Daily Sports writer uh, for the Jets. And now he's working for ESPN down in Houston. Congrats, DJ. I've talked to him one time or two. Um, and he's talking about how Brevin Jordan is showing out at camp and Davis Mills is looking constantly for the tight end as his first read if Cooks isn't there. So Cooks oh. is the first read, obviously, but the first safety read has been Brevin Jordan. It hasn't been running back dump offs. And he's been talking about that a lot on Twitter. But he does really good content down there uh, in Houston. And it's not a really luxurious place. 
I feel like the only reason that somebody would have this guy on their roster is that they are either a deep sleeper person and they know, and then it would be hard to get, or this guy was just a random ad. Or I'm sure you can even, in some of your leagues, you can find him on the waiver wire at this point. I picked point. him up from the waiver wire. Man, if you could go acquire Brevin Jordan for a package of two or three thirds and that feels like an overpay to someone, I'm doing that all yeah. day. 22 years old. Yeah, super young, great opportunity to be the number two in that offense. That offense can support weapons. Uh, Davis Mills showed us that last season. So I'm really, really excited for Brevin Jordan. Um, I think that whole position's kind of due for a lot of turnover. I think Kelsey's probably on his way out. Kittle's probably closer to his way out uh, than we want to admit. Mark Andrews is, he's in his prime. I think he's got plenty of time, but Pitts is super young. McBride's super young. I think we're waiting for that next, you know, top three, four elite guys to kind of come into their own. And I think you can get, you might be able to get a couple of them for a couple third rounders or a couple second rounders. And in a few years, you'll just, I mean, you'll look back on that trade and you'll probably print it out a picture of it, frame it and put it next to your bedside table. So um, great value for these young tight ends right now. It really is like when you look at that position and I struggled with this for so long and that's kind of why I overpaid for Kyle Pitts was because like, I want to have that tight end that is just locked and loaded for the next years. And I know Jace, that's why you love him. And that's why everyone loves Kyle Pitts. It's like the position so slim as it is. And when you look at the young guys, other than Mark Andrews, it's really, I mean, you got Hawkinson, you got Fant, I mean, Dallas Goddard, 27, Dalton Schultz, who knows what's going to happen with his contract negotiations. I mean, the position's really up in the air, dude. Honestly, when you think about it, like given his age, the upside, his size, and that the fact that the Texans are going to be losing a lot of games, he's a really pretty solid ad. So if he's on your waiver wire, definitely go give him a look. Yeah, I think that's going to wrap us up for the show today. I wanted to thank everybody for making it to the end. We're giving away a signed jersey on Twitter for our one-year anniversary show. Coming up next week, episode 52, one year, we've been coming at you every single week without interruption. You know what, gentlemen, next week it's going to be a lot of emotions, but still a great time and even better fantasy analysis coming up. Uh, but we are giving away a jersey on Twitter. Follow us at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter to go check it out over there. We wanted to thank our presenting sponsor again, Underdog Fantasy. Use our code Monarchy, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, uh, and you can get a free deposit match of up to $100 bonus cash. Before we get out of here, guys, any last final words? Yeah, I got a little hint for everyone that's made it this far. It will get tweeted out, uh, but we're going to do our last hint for the jersey giveaway. We will announce it on our one-year anniversary, and then we will release the official details of how you're going to enter um, the official contest. But our hint this week, you're going to get two free entries if you get this correct because we're whittling it down to two players. This running back is from the Denver Broncos. He is a Denver Bronco. He's part of Broncos country. You got two options. Let's ride. You got Melvin Gordon. You got Javonta Williams. Take your pick. We're giving away one of those guys signed jerseys, and it looks pretty fresh. It's sitting in my apartment right now. I take take a quick little peek at it every day uh, before I leave for work, and I just uh, I just feel cooler having that jersey around. So you will as well. Thank you for listening, and uh, be looking on Twitter uh, to drop your guess. Just so you guys know, Jace is a big Melvin Gordon fan. So I mean, it's it's a nice Melvin Gordon jersey for sure. <laughs> for sure uh, alright thanks everyone for making it to the end 
again, catch us next week for our one year anniversary special one year for the podcast. Thanks everybody. That's uh, helped us on the journey and we're excited to celebrate next week with you. Peace out. Peace, peace, peace. Thank you for listening to the dynasty monarchy podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice, tweet or DM at dynasty monarchy on Twitter until next time. Farewell, my fellow kings and queens.